Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas on a sultry August day. It's going to be about 100 degrees today, I think, but... uh, it's nice and cool where I am right now. Joining me today is columnist for Elephant Journal, published poet, uh, truck driver, singer-songwriter, father and author Billy Manners. His book, Kick-Ass Recovery, uh, From Your First Year Clean to the Life of Your Dreams, is the subject of our discussion today. And, folks, it's an honest, uh, engaging, you could say gritty at times, gritty and totally authentic book. Um, Billy shows us his particular journey into addiction and then into recovery and how to successfully maintain that recovery. And although it's uh, tailored to addicts, this book is also effective for anybody choosing to create a better and more successful life. I thoroughly enjoyed it myself. There was a lot of guidelines for anybody on the spiritual path in this book as well. So it it's, it does double duty in that regard. So it's a pleasure to welcome uh, the fascinating Billy Manis to today's show. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Thank you, Paul. Now, you've probably been on a lot of shows talking about this book, and I don't know if you're tired to death of, of <laughs> sharing your story of addiction and where you came from, but maybe not. Uh, maybe that's that's a helpful thing. Uh, but uh, you, the first chapter or so, and then you talk about it throughout the book, though, uh, you know, you talked about your childhood and um, the difficulties of that and whatnot, and your, and your uh, slide, if you like, down into addictive behaviors and, and addiction and, and how hard it is to get out of that. Do you want to just give us a, a, a thumbnail of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, being 50 years old uh, and born in 1970, um, I, in retrospect now, I believe that a lot of young parents at that time, you know, late 60s, early 70s, um, had a different approach to parenting than, than they do now. Uh, most people these days um, are, are do, do some research and, and uh, really take it on as, as, you know, a responsibility and a project. And um, I think back in those days, it was like they came home from the hospital, 
they, you know, they put you down on the floor, they lit up cigarettes and they were like, we'll see you, you know, at dinner time. And that was it, you know, um, they weren't as engaging. So, I mean, I believe a lot of people from my generation had, you know, those issues in childhood. Um, but what wound up happening is because I moved around so much, um, which I, I moved from school to school and town to town, never really putting down any roots, never really having any friends for any length of time. Um, I was always sort of alienated and, um, it led to, uh, you know, it led to my needing to address that, which I wound up starting to do with chemicals. And, you know, um, probably at that era, you know, we're talking about the age of the hippies, aren't we? Um, you, you may be right, but I think the the problem is just as uh, bad today in other regards, you know, with uh, other drugs, other substances that are, that are popular today and, and uh, you know the 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 division continues. You know the the splits within families, the uh, the, the trauma, etc. So this this is this is a perennial difficult problem we have in the in the states and in the West, perhaps. You know dealing dealing with this stuff, and that's what makes the book so fascinating. I think it's um, it, it pulls no punches, right? It's uh, it's down to earth, and and you feel like you're talking to somebody. Um, in a conversation over a cup of coffee, you know that's that's the the nature of the book. It's 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 real. It cuts to the chase, and um, you know you, you have the of course an inside track on this because you've been there yourself. It's not like not like somebody um, preaching, you know, that never been there themselves. You know the you you have been through the whole thing, so you know. And I thought it was interesting. You, you said you know you leave the house with. Uh, 37 cents in your pocket and come back with, you know, $50 worth of goodies. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, that's the survival me mechanism of, of the, of the addict, right. Of the person who's, uh, the, the survivor. Um, I won't ask you how you did all that, but you said most of it was legal, but, yes. uh, you know, but it is a survival. It's a different way of looking at life, right? Yeah. I mean, that was uh, a lot of the premise of the book was, you know, a lot of us have developed these great skills. We're just using them for the wrong reasons. And we can, you know, we can adapt those same skills that we honed out on the street for, the, for, the, for a terrible purpose, um, but use the same skills for something way more constructive. So this is uh, the spiritual path, isn't it? The way it works, you know, the law, the great laws, uh, you know, you talk about the law of attraction, um, the, the law of reciprocity, you know, the, 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 the same laws can be used in a negative sense or a positive one, right? They're, they're part oh, yeah. of the, the givingness of the universe, if you like. And if we mm. expect the bad, we can, you know, usually have the bad, right? If we expect the good, you talk about it in the book, um, rehearsing happiness, re rehearsing success. And I think that's, that's a powerful statement. You know, sometimes we say fake it until you make it. But I like the idea of rehearsing it better. Tell us about that, because I, I think that's a powerful, a powerful technique. Yeah, well, I mean, um, there's, there's a, an exercise that I do um, that keeps me in a, in a positive state, but it also, you know, it, it, it works. It works. It points me toward the success I'm looking for. And I, I just had it um, happen for me this week. Um, where I came out with an article 
and I really wanted it to do well. We have a, like a grading system at Elephant Journal and, you know, there, you know, so if, if you're like in the top 10 or the, you know, um, and initially it wasn't doing that great, but I imagined that it was going to be great. I just, I, I had a feeling that when I made up the title and I wrote the article that it, it was destined for greatness, even though it was not demonstrating that in the numbers initially. Um, but I mean, I, I took a little time to meditate and to see it where I believed it would be, which is exactly what I did when I was looking for a publisher. I, I had been rejected so many times and I just kept visualizing that book on the shelf at Barnes and Noble. And um, that book is on the shelf at Barnes and Noble. So with my article, um, I, I just opened it up this morning on the way to the city and it is in the top, top three articles this week. So um, I'm not saying it works 100% of the time, but like you said, when you put yourself in that positive place, and generally you will, you know, get positive results. Right. And um, this isn't just magical or wishful thinking, because there is such a thing as, as magical thinking is where we try and fool ourselves into thinking that it's all going to work out. You know, and if I if I imagine it enough, it's it's going to happen. Well, there, there, there has to be other fa factors involved here, right? It's, it's got to be underpinned with with some real work. And you talk about that in the book, too, uh, that there's there's faith and perseverance, persistence, um, the, the willingness to be grateful no matter what. You know, the, these are all aspects of this, I think, that, that accelerate the, uh, the coming forth of the good, right? You can't, you can't just throw it out there and expect it to, to, to stick sometimes, right? So there, there's, there's other things going on. I think some people forget that. They think, oh, I can apply this magical thinking to everything and, and, all, and all my life will be better. Well, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, well, I mean, magical thinking would have been if I would have put together a book proposal and expected to send it to Random House and, you know, live happily ever after. That, that's not what happened. What happened was I believed in myself even when I had been told by 30 different agents, we don't, we're not interested. We're just not interested. This is not, this is not something that's going to do well. You know, over and over and over and over, getting up, brushing yourself off, trying again, uh, you know, to the point where you had to listen to, like, you know, positive affirmations to just keep going because you just know there's this, even when you're feeling so down and so, so much like a failure, there's that little light inside of you. That's like, just keep trying. It's going to happen. That that's not magical thinking. That is just perseverance and not giving up. Um, but with a little bit of faith, you have to have faith. So it's not magic. It's more like faith. Right, absolutely. I, mean, I think it's important to to show the difference because I think some people wonder how come it's not working for me. Well, because of the, the things you just stated, um, and of course, you know, you you quote people like um, famous examples like Edison, right? Who who failed many many times before he created uh, the electric light or whatever. And um, you know, this is an example, isn't it? And you, I think you have a story in there about Henry Ford. Who had come up with this concept of the uh, the V8 engine, and and none of his engineers could conceive that that would be possible. You know, everybody 
has made other size engines. We'll never get a, a V8. Um, and he said, well, build it anyway, and we'll go from there. <laughs> and just didn't, didn't understand the word no. I think uh, somebody like Elon Musk, you know, uh, he, he's a controversial figure in some ways. But you, you can't help but admire his, uh, his genius and perseverance because he's a modern-day example, I think. Uh, of somebody that, um, you know, is extremely creative uh, and thinks outside the box, as they say, you know, and has done amazing things, even to the level of, uh, you know, going in with the, with NASA to, to build rockets to, to go into outer space, which is, you know, that's pretty pretty amazing for a private company. So, um, you know, good for him. But I think he's a living example of what, what we're talking about here. And also, it might be a good idea to give a shout-out to... Uh, to New World Library, which is one of the best uh, uh, non-corporate publishing houses out there. Um, I get a lot of books that I have on my show, uh, folks who've written books uh, from New World Library. I think it's a a first-class outfit, and um, I'm glad to see that they took your your book. And uh, it doesn't surprise me, actually, because I think they're very... uh, creative and innovative you know uh, uh, who they're able to to put out there so I'm, I'm glad that happened for you yeah me too I, I i was so appreciative when uh i learned that they were willing to give me a chance and they believed in me because you reached the stage didn't you around age what 40 where it wasn't working anymore right that this this uh, this lifestyle uh, was actually going to kill you if you didn't stop. And, it, you know, the bottoming out process is, is a famous in, in um, the program, right, where you have to hit rock bottom or whatnot. Um, you know, this sort of level of desperation has to be there uh, before we take action. Um, and for you, it was, I think you mentioned you were in and out of the, the emergency room, you know, every few weeks and uh, finally received the message, you know, if you continue doing this, you're not going to see your next birthday, you know, it's sort of got your attention. Um, so do we always have to go through that? Do you think we have to hit the wall before we can change? Uh, you know, I, I, I have thought about this a hundred different ways. Um, I used to believe, yes, yes, a person has to hit rock bottom before they can start climbing back up. Um, Pre-COVID, if you remember, we were having a massive problem with opiate uh, addiction and overdosing and, and you know, deaths. And yeah. I, started to, uh, I started to rethink my position on that because um, hitting rock bottom was not happening for a lot of people. People were dying way before they were hitting rock bottom. So I became a little bit more sensitive about that belief after... Um, you know, I mean, there is a lot of truth to it. There is a lot of truth to it. But with the variables changing, such as, you know, the uh, availability of fentanyl, which is so fatal, um, it may not be the best idea to wait until you hit rock bottom at this point. Right. Good point. And, you know, we have to look at the underlying uh, issues here, don't we? The larger picture of why, you know, why are so many people on opioids or whatever? What? Why, why is America, you know, the, the user of, what, over a third of the world's drugs when, when we have 4% of the world's population, you know? Um, you have to ask, ask yourself, what, what is it about this uh, 
land of pursuit of happiness that doesn't make people happy, you know. And uh, there's there's got to be something else because I think drugs really are, are sort of a substitute for the frustration that that uh, and the the ennui or the the you know the negativity that a lot of people are feeling right now and. And uh, it, it, we have not served ourselves well, I think, in the last 50 years in America. Yeah. Well, you have a point. I mean, there's not a lot of ennui happening right now in Beirut. You know what I mean? I, it's when, when, you know, ennui is a luxury for people who have everything. And I think our society, um, it's not just drugs. It's, it's pornography. It's eating. It's... Um, Right. Yeah. Anything to fill that hole that people have in their chest that they that they just don't know how to address any other way. Um, unfortunately, with with drug addiction, it's very fatal. You uh, you talk about it, it uh, in the title of the book, you know, from your first year clean uh, to the life of your dreams. And uh, I think a lot of people make it through that first year, right? And, and then not so good things can happen if you're not careful. Yeah, I was one. I was one. I just actually, my latest article had discussed that very point. Uh, I made it to my first year sometime around 2006 or 2007. And that was it. Um, I, you know, I, I went out and I relapsed and, and I stayed out for years after that. Um, so, so when I got clean again, this time around, I, I did a lot of thinking about what, what it was after that first year that caused me to, you know, lose sight of what I, you know, of what I was trying to do. And so my, you know, that's why this, this time around has been so much more successful, but that was the premise of my book is to give you know, to get a foundation, to get a one-year foundation, that's you need to just concentrate on that, living day to day and not using. But then after that, you really need to make some goals for yourself because you're going to, you know, because you're going to get to that that point, like you were saying, ennui is this all there is, you know, and and you don't want to get to that place in recovery. Right. I don't think we make true change, do we, until we realize that what we're gaining is greater than what we're leaving, right? And as long as exactly, we, as long as we feel like it's better where I was, you know, then we're going to go back. Uh, so you have to establish something very meaningful, you know, as a clean and sober person, right? So that so it's worth your while continuing in that way because if that's not in place, then why bother, you know? Yeah. Well, that was exactly. Uh, one of the major premises of the book was, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, they get a, they get a, a subsistence level job and they stay clean and th- it's very easy to romanticize when things were, you know, good when you were using, cause you know, you always had that big payday every, you know, every 60 days you would, you would, you know, uh, manipulate things to the point where you had a lot of money. So you remember that day, not the other 59. You remember that day when you have to get up and go to Walmart to work or whatever you have to do. Um, and, and so, you know, that's when you get to the point where you're like, I had more fun in the other life, you know, and I want to go back to that. And that's, that's where the problem is. Right, and of course, the Bible talks about it, doesn't it? When the the Israelites are wandering around in the wilderness, and uh, 
a lot of them are complaining. They want to go back to the flesh pots of Egypt, as it was, as, as it was <laughs> described. Uh, you know, we always want to go back to those flesh pots, like you said, that 60th day where, you know, where everything's cool and, and uh, it, we're buzzing along. And, you know, and then, uh, it's not quite as simple as that. We, just, we tend to remember the, the good times, not, not some of the other stuff that's going on. Um, yeah, but that's human nature, I guess. So changing your life, uh, there's a very unity, changing your thinking to change your life is a very unity way of thinking, right? We, this is what we talk about in unity. Um, but it, again, it's not just, you know, magical thinking. It, it's really changing your, um, your whole approach to life, right? You, you lay this out very clearly in the book, you know, the different ways that there are to, to, to change it depth. It can't just be a, a nice idea. It's, it's got to be a little deeper than that. Yeah, you got to change your entire way of perceiving the world around you. Right. And so how did you do that? One of the things you did was name your why. And I, I, I remember doing an exercise a couple of years ago on that in the, a board that I'm on. Um, you know, often we're looking at how do I do this, right? Um, and trying to figure it out because we're very outer-oriented uh, people. If I could just figure out how to do it, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But unless you change your why, uh, you, your how is probably not going to work out, right? Because your how is like a resolution, whereas a, a why is gets to the core of things. So, so to explain that, what, what we mean by to, to know what your why is. Yeah, well, I mean, like you were saying, um, the how of how major change happens um, is 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 what people tend to focus on and where they get uh, where they get caught in the mud because they're like I just can't figure out how I don't know how or but that is that should be secondary that should be secondary when you have a strong enough why the how just comes so why is uh, you know. Why is this important to me, right? What what is at core here that that really resonates at depth in my being? You know, this is why I want this. Because if we know that, then we we're we've got an energy, right, that's attracted to that. It's almost like iron filings to a magnet. You know, the why becomes our magnet. If I know why I'm doing something, there's passion to it, right? Exactly. I mean, one of the most basic human needs is to feel significant. Everybody wants to feel significant in one way or another. And if you look at a lot of what, what drives people to do some of the silliest things they do, it's to, to feel significant. And so when you, when you focus on, on something like that, I want to feel significant. Uh, how you're going to get there, you know, we'll, we'll come to you, you know, but you, you, need to, you, know, you need to get in touch with why that's so important to you because most of the time it's because you're not demonstrating what you could be in this life and you're constantly uh, disappointing yourself. And, and so, you know, that's why you need to get in touch with the why. Right. And of course there's a difference between the ego's why and the spirit within you's why, right? Because, the, the, the ego's why may make two, two crazy things on social media so everybody <laughs> like, likes you. <laughs> but your, your real why is a little deeper than that, right? It goes to the heart of uh, who you are beyond all the little ego games, right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's that is something you could feel in your gut. When something feels, when something is coming from a spiritual place, it feels different than when it's coming from an ego-driven place. Right. And uh, I know that you, your one of your dreams was you wanted to break away from this idea of earning, you know, say three hundred fifty bucks a, a week um, into a hundred. Uh, excuse me, a, a thousand bucks a week, right? And uh, uh, sort of shift your whole attitude towards that. Uh, not that there was anything wrong with uh, the job you had, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't fulfilling you. It wasn't bringing in what you needed. And, and so you went through this whole process of becoming a, a truck driver. And um, and even though that wasn't your natural field, you know, you mentioned that you're more artistic. Uh, a musician, a poet, whatnot, uh, not a technical person, and you had a little t difficulty in the training. And I thought yeah. it's a very human section in the book where you know you talk about difficulty of uh, of backing up the rig or whatever, um, and, and very honest, you know, um, and and endearing. I think as a result, because I think that's that's part of success is our willingness to be vulnerable, right? Um, but yeah. you, did, you did succeed, and uh, now you are a truck driver, right? And you are earning at the level that you're, you, you set as your goal. Yeah, well, it's funny, because just the other day, I, I was walking into a, a company, and, and the lady uh, at the door said to me, you know, I was just looking at you, and man, you do that really great. And she was talking about me backing up to the building, <laughs> and I... And I thought about how ironic it was. It was only 2012 when I, when I was convinced there was no way I'd ever be able to do it. I just did not, you know, I remember sitting in the back of that truck thinking, I can't do this. This is just not for me, you know, and, and it gave me that, you know, almost like that, the hand of God, when it comes down on your shoulder, where it's like, you know, this should just remember this because this is the way life is always going to be. You're going to get to that point in everything where you're going to say, this is not for me. And it, and it is for you. You just, nothing comes easy. Right. You have to keep pushing through. Folks, um, I'm with Billy Manis. We're talking about his book, Kick-Ass Recovery, from your first year clean to the life of your dreams. We'll just take a break. We're going to listen to these messages from Unity. And when we come back, we'll discuss more aspects from the book. It's a fascinating book. Um, thank you, by the way, for listening to The Voice of an Awakening World. Um, and this show and all the other shows on the Unity Online Network. Um, if you'd like to contact me, you can uh, email me at pauljohnrhodes at yahoo.com. Also check out uh, the various things that are up on my website at pauljohnroach.com. We'll be back after the break. Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. 
All right, welcome back to today's show. I'm with Billy Manis. We're talking about his book, Kick-Ass Recovery, from your first year clean to the life of your dreams. And on the front of the book is a big uh, footprint, um, which goes in my mind, boom, you know, get on with it. Um, so, again, it's being authentic here. Um, and I guess the title, Kick-Ass Recovery, it's um, this isn't for sissies. Uh, this is the real thing, right? We're, we're getting real. So then we go into gratitude and people go, oh, no, not gratitude. I don't want to do a gratitude list, et cetera, et cetera. That seems so wimpy. And yet it's not, is it? You know, I know when I taught that in, in church for many years, you know, to come up with a gratitude list, uh, initially it would it seemed like a chore. And I think that's true in 12 step, too. Uh, but once you start being grateful, amazing things happen right and plus when you start the list you know you know, it's hard to get it started sometimes but once you once you go and you've got before you look around there's like 10 pages done of all the things that you can think of in your life from the the littlest to the greatest right from from just the simplest things um and it shifts life doesn't it when you can be grateful yeah paul um it's funny that you mentioned people's reaction to gratitude because it is true. Anytime uh, you know, I publish an article with the word gratitude in the title, it's destined to not be read by anybody ever. And for some reason, it's gratitude is just not a hot topic these days. But um, it's funny, too, because it's one of those things that, like, if you don't have it, um, you're, you're going to be in a lot of trouble in, in myriad ways. And, and uh, whenever, uh, whenever you're having issues or whenever a person is having issues – or, or getting into a negative space, um, if, if you can, like you said, force yourself, even to make a gratitude list in your head, to come up with five things if you can, um, it, it absolutely changes your, your state of mind. And the thing about this is, you know, that people say, oh, well, it's Pollyanna, you know, the, the, the world's too tough right now. With COVID, with uh, all the craziness, with the election coming up, etc., you know, I, I can't get into being grateful. Like I haven't got time for that. But, but really, gratitude is a deep sense of connection to yourself and others, right? It is, it is connecting to what's what's really important, and and that is always available to us. Um, you know, just to be able to sit down and have a meal, uh, you know, and not be starving to death is a cause for gratitude, really, from in my mind, because so much of the world's population doesn't have that luxury. Right. Um, so it could, it could be simple things like that um, that we, we don't we, we dismiss, you know, we just take them for granted. And maybe this is this is telling us, you know, don't take anything for granted. For me, COVID has done that. You know, it's it's. Uh, it's reminded me of what, what's truly important. And um, a lot of people are seeing it as a big problem. I don't quite see it like that. I think it's a resetting. It's, a, it's the opportunity to shift something, to look again at the way we do business, uh, both personally and economically um, in our world, right? To, 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 to see this as a gift in a way. Um, though, of course, we don't celebrate all the people dying from this, obviously. But but uh, difficult times can yield um, reap rewards sometimes, right? Just, just as recovery can, um, you know, we, we we can even celebrate our addiction when we when we get through it and say, man, that was tough, but it got me to where I am today. So in some sense, it was necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, 
it's it has a lot to do with the way you perceive the world around you. And I think, like you were saying, um, a lot of people see this COVID thing as a, as a real, you know, as a real hindrance, as a real pain. Um, but I, but in this country, we, we often lose sight of the fact, like you were saying, 80% of this world, of this planet, subsists on less than $2 a day. So, you know, we don't ever think about that in this country. And we certainly don't think about the fact that, like, social distancing is a luxury that only, that only happens in countries like America where it can, you know, where we have that ability. Not every country can social distance. This is true. So you talk about, and this sort of fits in with where we're going here, a climate of success, right? Um, it's important to almost have a, um, I wouldn't say aura around you, but an energy around you that is uh, successful, no matter what appears to be, you know, you are in, in your rightful place. And because you're in your rightful place, then you become, it ends up being the right place, right? Because you're carrying that energy with you, even though it doesn't look like it at the time, right? So you're, you're not dependent on circumstance because you have something deep in your core that, that is successful because you, you have a climate of success around you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with even like what I, what I just brought up is if you're if you're rooted in a place of, boy, I am so fortunate to have, you know, the things that I have just from just from being born into a country like this or, you know, when you're coming from a place like that and all your actions and all your maneuvers are coming from that place, you have no choice but to have an aura of gratitude. So you mentioned that you, that you got to... 50 ways to stay high frequency. <laughs> and and uh, I like that. Um, that's the final chapter. But there's 50 ways that uh, you, you are taking off, if you like, into this new climate of success, this new way of approaching your life. Um, and you give a lot of other um, helpful hints all the way through. I mean, you've got your seven-day mental positivity diet again it's it's all about shifting your consciousness right you're a big advocate of uh of journaling too right oh yes absolutely and why is that well for for many reasons but mostly because a lot of times you will not get you will not get a free and clear highway to what's happening inside of you until you put pen to paper um and and i know for myself you know, a notebook has been sometimes my greatest therapist because I will just start, even when I don't have anything to write, I will just start writing whatever. And after the pen is going and going and going, something's going to come out, something that I don't have in, in the front of my consciousness um, that needs to come out, something I need to see because it's, it's, it's underneath the surface. And, and the only way you can get underneath that surface uh barring a good therapist is a notebook and a pen there's something about um and you know in metaphysics we talk about this too is that there's something powerful about articulating something in words right that's not just in your head uh once once you write them down they, they have an energy and a power that 
they're sort of clarified for you, right? The, in a way that they can't be before. So it's just a very profound thing to do, um, to write these things down. And, and then, of course, you can use intentionality around it, you know, to create a, in your case, articles or poems or whatever, songs, um, you know, the, that uh, further that. But, but the whole, whole idea of writing it down, I think, is powerful. And uh, you, you get to see it, you know, you, it, it gets mirrored back to you, right, in a way that uh, doesn't happen in, in any other way. So, yeah, I encourage people, too, to keep a journal, to keep a notebook with them, um, wherever they are, and jot ideas down, because that's the way it works, right? Often ideas come, you know, when we're taking a shower or um, going on a walk or whatever, at the least... Uh, obvious times and so you have to have it available so you can jump out the shower and write something down something happened to me today and I had an idea while I was uh, in the bathroom and I immediately came into my office and, and wrote the idea down you know it would have been gone otherwise and um, so it's important that the availability is there to just jot it down yeah I mean the shower is one of those things that we do as a routine that does not include a smartphone that does not include any other distraction besides the, the routine of washing ourselves. And that's why, um, you know, we need that, that routine boredom. And people are never bored anymore, which is a problem. Um, but we need that boredom to, to, you know, to find those ideas. And so you're right. Um, I, I cannot tell you how many times I have jumped out of the shower and written something down that I was like, that is such a great idea. You know, so um, you're right. I've shared this story before, but uh, it, it bears repeating, I think. I, I was at a, a Buddhist meditation retreat one time, and, um, you know, the, they, there was a time when they would do a lecture or whatnot, and the, the monk, the head monk was given a talk about... Uh, Buddhist teaching, and uh, somebody asked, "Well, how does Buddhism compare to Christianity, etc.?" And um, and anyway, he talked about it for a while, but then he said, "Bottom line is, you know, um, we're we're not uh, born again Christians. You know, we're we're born again Buddhists." And uh, <laughs> and I and I laughed, everybody laughed at the time, but there's there's something to that, isn't there? You have to go through this quote boredom barrier. Because uh, what it means is you're refusing to be distracted, right? Uh, so often we get bored and then we fill it up with, with like in some cases, drugs, in other cases, food, sex, whatever, the movies, you know, some, something that uh, to, to keep us mindlessly involved with something. But, you know, to, to go through that, that boredom factor into a newness of life is, is incredibly powerful. You know, I'm at the stage in my life, the... Oh, thank God that I, I, I very rarely feel bored at all because, you know, my inner life is rich. So, um, you know, it, it sustains me. So I, I don't even through COVID where I've been, you know, shut in for a long, long time. Um, you know, it's it's been fine for me because I've got that rich inner life. But that's that's developed over years. Right. And um, and it, but it's available to everybody, I think, you know, and, and uh, so we don't have to be distracted. We can we can go through that boredom um, phase in, into this into this very authentic life. Yeah. And as you said, it's um, it's a muscle. It needs to be worked out. It, you, you know, you, the place that you're at at this point 
is not something that somebody can just decide they want to get to. It takes practice and it takes mindful exercise to get there. Right. And you mentioned that a lot in the book, you know, persistence, faith, um, keeping doing it, even though it doesn't feel like you can make it. Um, and, you, you know, your testimony to that, like we talked about earlier with the with the truck driving as an example of that, with with you now writing, you know, for the for Elephant Journal and and, and other places, um, you know, it's testimony right to the persistence required to um, to do that and then then to maintain that. Right. It's one thing to say, oh, God, I got an article written. Great. But now you want more. Right. You're going to you consistently. There's a consistency involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You need to look, you know, you, you just you can't sit back for any length of time or you're going to. Uh, you, I guess the word is, uh, you know, you're going to stagnate. Right. So let's talk about money. Yes. You, you want money, don't you? Absolutely. But money's evil, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, that's a that's a fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting you up there, buddy. For that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a tell that's us, one of those things. The policy, because uh, as I said in my book, uh, where there is no money, there is lack, and where there is lack, there is prostitution, and where there is lack, there is drug addiction, and where there is lack, there are you know broken families, and so lack is is the problem, not money. Lack is the root of all evils. You were talking, you gave an example of a woman that used to call you, you know, um, well, she was always, didn't ever seem to have enough money. And you, <laughs> you, you, you remember hearing her trying to get money from her dad, you know, when she was in college or whatever. And then she would call up and say, oh, I'm down on my luck, you know, and then can you give me some, I hate money, but I need it, you know. And you, <laughs> you, you decided to stop interacting with her, right? Um, because the you know the, her whole consciousness was based on this what you're talking about lack right and I think we've all known people like that maybe we've even been that person I don't know but uh, you know people it doesn't matter how much money they earn they never have enough money you know and so it's definitely not about the money it's about the consciousness of lack that that people have around the money and as you mentioned in the book you know it's not money is the root of all evil right it's the it's the love of money, is what the Bible says. When you focus so much on money at the expense of everything else, uh, then you got a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I looked up that cliche because I wanted to see what the exact wording was of it. And that's why I wrote about it in my book, because that is not what the, what, what the part of the Bible, it does not say money is the root of all evil. As you probably read, I, I pulled that piece out. The love of money. So the love of money above all else is the root of all evil, obviously. Um, but not, you know, not the ability to, to, you know, to support yourself and to help others and, and to, you know, and to just not be stuck in a place of uh, living hand to mouth. Right, exactly. Well, you know, uh, Raymond Barker, the great metaphysician, said... Uh, Money is God in action, you know, that he he lifted money up to that level because it's, it's part of the flow. It's the it's a way that the energy moves. Right. And um, and and so if we sanctify it in that way, if we see it as God in action, 
then that becomes a holy resource, you know, the, instead of uh, filthy lucre, you know, filthy, <laughs> dirty money. It it's becomes a, um, a beautiful thing, right? And, and it can bless in so many ways. Uh, but I think we have a very toxic relationship with money, you know, in, in America and the West in general. And um, sometimes you go to third world countries that have very little, like you said, $2 a day to live on or whatever. Um, and, and yet they seem to be quite happy, you know, in some ways. And I'm not trying to excuse poverty here, um, but but there's there's something going on over and above money here that people have, uh, have learned to be very self-sufficient and happy um, without having all the goodies. And uh, we, we may be able to learn some things from that. Yes, I, I remember actually, um, that reminds me of a time my father moved us to Florida and uh, he sold his business and he was going through all kinds of problems and he did not know what to do to support us. So he just started driving a cab. And one day he came home and he was telling me that he went to this very poor village where everybody was sitting outside and people were playing guitars and singing. Um, and, and, he said they were they were the brokest group of people I had ever seen in my life. And I had never seen a group of people so content and happy. So th there is something to that. And, and you know, I'm glad he got to observe that before he died. He never got to embrace that before he died, but he got to at least observe it. And that was a that was a breakthrough for him, right? I'm, I'm almost certain that it probably stuck with him for the rest yeah. of his life. Yeah, that's cool. So, okay, let's move back to uh, getting high frequency. Um, I like this chapter because it's got like 50 things you can do uh, to maintain uh, that high frequency that you're talking about. And many of them, of course, we, we would be familiar with in Unity because they're based around, you know, transformation of consciousness. But they're very simple things, you know, like number one is read inspirational biographies. And you've got a, a few there to, to inspire people. And, uh, you know, that that's good, too, isn't it? Because we model from, from those people, especially those people who have uh, broken free of uh, conditioning. Um, you know, you've got Steve Jobs and um, uh, Steve, Stephen King's memoir on writing. Uh, Richard Branson, uh, you know, th these people like, inspire us, right? And that's important. We need inspiration. If I didn't have audiobooks at my job every single day, I, I would not be able to stay in the place that I'm in. Because um, I, see, I see my colleagues, the other truck drivers, and I feel like I'm living on a different planet. And I, I believe it has a lot more to do with the fact that, you know, a lot of times they're listening to the news and I'm listening to something that that's inspiring. Well, I got to tell a story. One time I was in San Antonio and uh, we'd gone to see the uh, the sand mandala that one that the Tibetan monks had created in the museum down there. And, um, yeah. you know, they put it together over days and then they, they take it down to the river. They throw it in the river. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's about the impermanence of life, whatever. But it, we bumped into a, a member of our church down there who was a truck driver. And uh, it was great to see him because he was uh, interested in these sort of things, too. Anyway, we were, we were getting back, to, needed to get a ride back to downtown. So 
he just had his his uh, his, his front of his rig there, you know, his uh, engine, and he said, "I'll I'll give you a ride," you know, and that was nice. So okay, so uh, we climb up into into the cab there, and uh, right in front of him is uh, is his reading, you know, which is the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the, the Dhammapada books by you know, different Eastern uh, teachers. And I thought, man, this is a truck driver, you know, just like you, a little bit out of the box. They're very different from your stereotypical uh, truck driver, you know. And I thought, how many people, you know, truck drivers actually have the Bhagavad Gita or whatever. Um, and But, you know, maybe they don't. But the point is, he did. And, and it was kind of cool, you know, that you can. And he's a rough and tough tumble guy, you know. He, he's no pushover. Uh, but he was a neat guy, and he still is. And uh, you know that inspired me, though. That uh, don't judge. You know, don't judge by what a stereotype says. There, there's always uh, something new to look at, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I I have uh, that issue happening all the time. I go into places uh, while I'm working, and I, I I can you know I can tell what people are trying to sum me up. And they're like, oh, you know, here's the dirty truck driver, <laughs> you know, and and there's a part of me inside of me that's like, you, you have no idea who I am. I'm not, you know, I am not a stereotypical, but, you know, it's funny. People do stereotype. And I think we reach a different level of spirituality when we stop worrying about that. Right. Number four is do something for someone else every day. And that's all, always good, isn't it? To step outside of yourself. And extend because you realize that we are actually all one, right? We we're all part and parcel of each other. Once we get beyond those stereotypes, and uh, and that can free us doing something for somebody else. It really I, nothing feels better than that. Really, stay away from negative music. So you rec- rec- recommend not listening to uh, death metal, huh? <laughs> you know, I like some. Uh some rap music and uh some stuff like that um but i do find when i indulge in it um it just changes my entire aura and my entire you know my whole way of perceiving life around me it just it's very difficult to listen to something even on a subconscious level uh that's telling you one thing and to see the world in a completely other way. So if, if you're listening to negativity, you're going to be perceiving the world in a negative way. Well, one time I went to, to see a guy who was a singer in our church and he, he just put out an album and his, his stuff was kind of new agey, you know, um, hippie type stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and we went, we went to the place where he was supposed to be, except we, there were two venues back to back and went to the wrong venue and, and it was thrash metal or whatever. And, and and we're dressed, you know, just regular, and, and all these people were dressed in black and black leather and had tats and everything. And it's like they looked at us, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> doing <yeah. laughs> Didn't take us long to realize, no, this was not the place. And it was around the bank, you know, where all the little hippies and their flo- flowing skirts and everything were. <laughs> but talk about, you know, the different energy there. You know, you could, you could pick it up. It was uh, vastly... Now, I hope that those people were getting something out of their music, you know. But like you said, it was a definitely a, a heavier, darker energy than the, you know, the, the light of, the, of the, hip, the hippie music. So, I don't know, you know, interesting. Uh, different things for different folks, maybe. Yes. Um, 
there's a lot of simple but profound things here too in there like uh, um you know keep your space clean and organized you know um forgive someone um you know do, do simple things try and stay away from fast food and, and meat you know eat a lighter diet things like that so just various uh, common sense but things we sometimes forget to do right oh yeah absolutely it's uh, yeah especially like you know if you don't have somebody cooking for you at home it's it's not easy to be vegan or vegetarian um but man i i mean speaking from personal experience it's the best i've ever felt Right. Okay, I'm going to tell people about next week's show. While I'm doing that, I'd like you to think of uh, just something to tell people this week, Billy, that would help them. Okay, when we get, when, well, let me tell about next week, and then if you can offer okay. that, we, we've got about a minute left. So next week, uh, prolific author, teacher, radio show host, and meditation coach Phil Goldberg joins me again. Um, this time, he's going to talk about his new book. It's just brand new. It's just out. It's called Spiritual Practices for Crazy Times, offering powerful tools to cultivate calm, clarity, and courage. Uh, always a joy to have Phil on the show, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but now Bill, Billy's going to give us words of wisdom. Okay. Um, as I, I've said in the past, um, if you find yourself stuck, no matter where you are or what you're stuck in, it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be addiction. It could be anything that you feel stuck in. If you can make one small gesture, one move every day, one tiny little step in another direction, that's all you need to do. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to take huge big yeah. bites of, of something every single day. Just Excellent do one advice. thing. Excellent. But we're out of time, but thank you, Billy, so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Paul. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 